This podcast is part of the Rats Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Wizarding World Lorecast, where we're going to take a deep dive into the world and lore of the Harry Potter universe, such as the creatures, the people, and yes, even the magic. Welcome back, witches and wizards, to another episode of the Wizarding World Lorecast. I am one of your hosts, Ben of Tamaria, and followed with me is my two other hosts, Nina Kitty. Hello. And Courier7. Uh-huh. And uh, so it is still spooky month. So last week we did talk about the spooky and creepy wizarding prison of Great Britain, which is Azkaban that we all know mm-hmm. and hate and loathe. And <laughs> we haven't really <laughs> ever been there unless you're a Hufflepuff and Hogwarts legacy. That's the only time you actually get to go. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. I'd like to see more of it just because of the layout and how it's ran. Right. It's like it's like that dark corner that's just not really talked about or mentioned, but to see how it's actually put together would be cool. Right. And so continuing that with being October as it is spooky month and when this episode releases, it is going to be October 13th. It will be Friday the 13th. Which yes. is terrifying oh, to know yeah. that we have a Friday the thirteenth in October this year. <laughs> Apparently we also have a blood moon this year in October, which is a full mm-hmm. moon blood moon. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be phenomenal. It's good so, omens. Don't think of it bad. It's all good stuff happening. It is all good stuff happening this month if you look into astrology. So, so that's a different conversation. So werewolves. That's what I heard. Because blood moons I mean. are related to werewolves. Yeah. Yeah, they're cleaning pack. They're cleaning up, cleaning house. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> for this week's episode, we are talking about the loyal servants and dark wizards of the 20th, 21st century mm-hmm. Death Eaters. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> right. So, uh, to give a bit of a little summary here. So, the Death Eaters were the most ardent followers of Lord Voldemort. The group primarily consists of witches and wizards who are radical pure-blood supremacists who practice the dark arts with reckless abandon, malevolence without with regard to the fear of wizarding law, although some of them joined out of fear or blackmail to do so. Lord Voldemort used this select group of wizards and witches during the, both the First and Second Wizarding Wars, employing them as elite force. They often wore black hoods and masks with snake eyes slits to cover their faces. The Death Eaters were cons- considered Lord Voldemort's inner circle and had the Dark Mark burned onto their left forearm. When Voldemort touched a Dark Mark, each of the Death Eaters felt it signif- singling them for apparate to their leader's side. Death Eaters could also summon Voldemort to their marks. Which we do see this in Goblet of Fire, uh, specifically with like um, Barty Crouch Jr. when he summons mm-hmm. the Dark Mark, and then also when uh, Pettigrew uses, or Voldemort uses Pettigrew's Dark Mark to summon followers of Death Eaters to Voldemort's side. Yes, to the graveyard. Yes. 
And so now we're going to get into their history. So we do have some forerunners. So before the Death Eaters themselves became to be, Tom Riddle, as Voldemort was known in his childhood and early adulthood, gathered a gang of Slytherin students who considered themselves his friends, though in truth he felt no real attachment to any of them due to his lack of desire for a true friend. Which, I mean, makes sense because he doesn't feel compassion at mm-hmm. all, completely. Yeah. Like he phys- like, and that's like because of his birth and everything, and how he came to be born. Tom Riddle physically and mentally cannot comprehend c- compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And then, according to former he- uh, Hogwarts headmaster Albus Dumbledore, they were a mixture of weak seeking protection, the ambi- ambitious seeking glory, and thuggish seeking a leader who could show them more refined cruelty, and were considered to be forerunners of the Death Eaters since most, if not all, indeed became the first Death Eaters. He manipulated them to do his bidding and. Th- uh, though he led his several nasty incidents over the years with Riddle's strategic discretion, none was linked back to the group, much less the model student Riddle himself. <laughs> so, I mean, he... he had a lead. <laughs> yeah, he, he knew how to hide his tracks. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is obvious because, you know, he unleashed the Basilisk during his fifth year six year at hogwarts or something like that i can't remember one of his years at hogwarts he unleashed you know mm-hmm. the heiress Slytherin's basilisk and whatnot and no one connected that to him whatsoever no not at all so and then before 1970 riddled formed a group that was named the knights of walpurgis which was eventually renamed to the Death Eaters. Its original membership comprised people that Voldemort knew from his time at Hogwarts School with Trapped and Wizardry. Most of those were recruited from the Slytherin House. Which this comes Everybody back... the names. Right. <laughs> and, but, like, this also goes back to the fact of how a lot of uh, people associate Slytherin with Death Eaters and Dark Wizards. Mm-hmm. Is big. Be- because yeah. majority of Death Eaters are were in the Slytherin house. Yeah, it also doesn't help that Hagrid said that all evil comes from Slytherin. Like everyone's evil in Slytherin, so right. kind of there's yeah, there's a bit of a stereotype with Slytherin's house, unfortunately. But it's not just Slytherins that are Death Eaters. There are more. Which, I mean, you could maybe argue that they some of them outside of it blackmailed, but I feel like a lot of Slytherin's house was blackmailed into becoming a death eater eh, as well probably so yeah and then members of the organization Voldemort deemed to be valuable and faithful would be branded with the dark mark the symbol a skull with a snake protruding from its mouth was used to summon his followers at will the mark was considered the greatest honor among the death eaters out of respect for their master they refer to him as the dark lord and then actively gathering an army of dark wizards and witches and creatures with the belief that his hidden horcruxes granted him immortality, Voldemort and his followers planned to overthrow the Ministry of Magic. Their ranks were huge, outnumbering the Order of the Phoenix by approximately 20 to 1. Oh wow, I didn't realize that was the ratio to him. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. It definitely is. But 
the order had much more proficient and clever clever I say clever and resourceful wizards and witches mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. the because the death eaters you can say they looked at power and that's about it they didn't look at anything yeah, else power mm-hmm. where the order of phoenix used everything in their arsenal so one could take down 20 if the True. if the conditions were right Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Mad Eye for crying out loud. He he can easily wipe a bunch of them out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he absolutely could. And then now we get to the first Wizarding War. So Death Eater activity during the first Wizarding War consisted of stealth attacks, espionage, torture, and mass killings of wizards, witches, and large number numbers of Muggles. These were initiated by the Death Eaters often, but not always, on the orders of Voldemort. Part of the Death Eater modus Arperondi was to cast the Death Eaters or to cast the Dark Mark over every house where they committed murder. This inspired much terror in the wizarding community. And then, however, the Death Eaters remained opposed by the Order of the Phoenix, founded by Albus Dumbledore and the Ministry, in retaliation for these hideous crimes and spearheaded by the head of the Department of Magical Law Enforcement. It's like their calling card with the Darth with the dark mark if you kind of consider any any murders or serial right. killers they have a mark and it's absolutely going to terrify the community like, yep so it, it's um or you, you like go back and look at like batman joker like the old school joker in the comics and mm-hmm. even in the animated series would leave a joker playing card at the end of every yeah. crime scene that he would oh, have yeah. and everyone's mm-hmm. like oh it's the same guy what are we going to do blah blah, blah. you know yeah, it's a little bit of a bragging thing too, kind of showing off your right. You're untouchable in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then now we have 13 years of chaos. So Ooh. after Lord Voldemort attempted to circumvent a prophecy written by Sybil Torani during the height of the war, he fell out of the picture following the attack on Godric's Hollow that resulted in the murder of James and Lily Potter. His primary target, the infant Harry Potter, was mysteriously credited for Voldemort's fall and surviving with nothing but a scar, less sailing his fate as the boy who lived, as well as starting the destiny forced upon him. And being none the wiser to what became of their master, the Death Eaters were largely fell into chaos. Many were rounded up and imprisoned in Azkaban without trial as part of the hard line taken by the Ministry official Party Crouch Sr., who had illegalized the unforgivable curses against those sub- suspected to be among the enemy's ranks. Sirius Black, whose pedigree framed for his crimes, was among the prime suspects of Death Eater activities in prison without a trial. Poor Sirius. I so I still feel bad for him. That's so sad. Yes. Of course, the ministry, you know, didn't do investigations because why would they do investigations? Nope. Yeah, so dumb. And then soon afterwards, Bellatrix, Roldofus, and Raspin Lestrange and Party Crouch Jr. torture the Longbottoms into insanity while trying to procure information about Voldemort's whereabouts, this attack was considered one of the most atrocious crimes in recent histories. Yeah, and, like, this is also, and I th- we've said this before in the podcast as well, that we don't get this in the films, but Neville's parents are alive. Mm-hmm. They are just, literally can't think, they're in a, 
Mungo's uh, Saint Mungo's Hospital. They're in Saint Mungo's Hospital, yeah, but they're not like mm-hmm. they're not in a coma, but they're not um, mentally stable. I think is kind of they're just not able to function on their own, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. 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 And then they were captured and sentenced to Azkaban, but Bellatrix proudly proclaimed that the Dark Lord will rise again. On the other hand, Barty Crouch Jr. programmed his own innocence, begging for his father to believe him. His father ignored his pleas for lentency and sentenced him to prison, a sentence that led to the entire court to roar with triumph. Some Death Eaters managed to elude justice by claiming the Imperious Curse had been used on them, such as Lucius Malfoy or by turning in other Death Eaters as Igor Kakarov did. And due to many trying to escape by claiming they were bewitched, the Ministry assigned specialists to find out if they were lying, although this did not work out to the fullest since Malfoy and several others were found innocent. And then most of the followers hid their allegiance to Voldemort and therefore did not try to find him. Although a handful of Death Eaters such as the Strange and Buttercrouch Jr. remained fiercely loyal to their fallen master and sought him out. They were supposedly rewarded by Voldemort for their loyalty. Some, such as Evan Rosier, chose to resist arrest and fought to the death. Yeah. No, no. No. This whole little section is just kind of really sad. <laughs> yeah. All the terrible, awful things that had happened to all the people mm-hmm. from these insane and then, wizards. Uh, Sirius Black believed that it was the rogue a Death Eater got wind of Peter Pettigrew still being alive. They would seek to kill him. For it was the information that led to Voldemort's downfall. It was for this reason that Pettigrew hid his unregistered Animagus form as a pet rat stationed near Harry in the attempt to bind his time to turn the boy in should the Death Eaters start to regain momentum, which nobody would dare to say that he betrayed Lord Voldemort. However, Pettigrew was ousted by Sirius and Ramius Lupin, thus forcing him to seek out the weakened Dark Lord for shelter, assisting him in his regeneration. Yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, Pettigrew's just, you know... A coward. He's a coward. Complete oh, coward. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolute, absolute coward slime ball. That's really all he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. <sighs> I can't stand him. But there's so many different characters that I hate so much more. <laughs> <laughs> we all know who, but um. <laughs> So 13 years later, at the 422nd Quidditch Cup in the 1994, a group of Death Eaters attacked the camp of wizards and witches and a nearby Muggle family. The Death Eaters seemed to consider torturing and humiliating Muggles as a form of entertainment when Crouch Jr. launched the Dark Mark into the air uh, uh, out of rage for his comrades not seeking out their fallen master. The Death Eaters fled to fear of Voldemort's retribution for their disloyalty. And now we have the start of the second Wizard War. So this is where we get into the later films and books. So on June 24th, 1995, Lord of Voldemort finally returned to a physical body through a dark potion created by Peter Pettigrew. The potion required the bone of Voldemort's father, flesh from the servant, and blood of the enemy, that being Harry. The body was human-shaped, though hairless, and with many unusual features, such as a serpentine nostril slips and a feline-esque eyes. 
In the moments after Lord Voldemort had finally regained his body, he summoned his followers by touching Peter Pettigrew's dark mark. Some proved to be afraid to return to him, such as the defector Igor Kakarov, while others who were dead or in prison remained absent. uh, Severus Snape did not return on the claim that he had appeared more loyal to Dumbledore and the Order of the Phoenix. Snape returned two hours later under the claim that he was trying to maintain the cover of a double agent, which the Dark Lord found satisfying. Joke's on you. He was a triple agent. He sure was. (laughs) Yeah. And then, despite several absences, there were many who returned to the call, including Walden McNair, Lucius Malfoy, Knott, Crabbe, and Goyle, and Avery. Avery went to beg for forgiveness, but Voldemort told the band of Death Eaters who did not try to find him that he wants 13 years of repayment before he could forgive them for their wavered loyalty. Snape would later comment that he had the faithless Death Eaters not been forgiven, then Voldemort would have very few followers left. Yeah, because either most are in prison or dead, so he can't yeah. he can't choose really, of not can't having picky his right army. now. Nope. <laughs> yeah, can't yeah. Picky. And then Harry Potter was present for Voldemort's return to power and was even dueled him, resulting in a spectacular display of perori and cantardum, revealing the cores of the Voldemort and Harry's wands were related. Harry managed to escape and tell Headmaster Albus Dumbledore of Voldemort's return. And then Minister of Magic Cornelius Fudge and most of the Ministry of Magic originally refused to believe that Voldemort had returned, though Harry Potter and Albus Dumbledore served as dissenting voices, and the majority of the public chose to believe in the Ministry and its wider propaganda and smear campaign against Potter and Dumbledore, which would print it in news outlets such as the Daily Prophet. Finally, in 1996, the Minister of Magic witnessed Voldemort and Dumbledore's duel in the Ministry of Magic and was forced to admit his mistake. Yeah, um, Cornelius is an idiot. Yeah, I don't think I even have anything uh-huh. to say to that. <laughs> it's just stupid. I, I I absolutely can't stand Cornelius Fudge. Like, he he's, is he's a, a terrible, spine, terrible spineless. minister. Yeah, he's just a spineless minister. He doesn't have any gall. And he just essentially let the, I don't know, the news and all the propaganda basically... Well, and he also and he also wants to keep his power that's the main thing he wants to stay in power and he loves mm -hmm. having his power and if Voldemort returned it would threaten his authority correct absolutely so Mm -hmm. yeah he's just spineless and i don't like him either (laughs) yeah um but at this point we're going to take a quick mid-break and be right back Alright, welcome to the middle of the show, where we talk about everything with the podcast that has nothing to do with the lore of the Wizarding World, and I just want to remind everybody we do have a Patreon at patreon.com slash wizardingworldlorecast, to where you can join us on, get ad-free episodes, or even join us at the end of the month to join us on an episode of a topic of your choosing. 
Um, and if you can't support us financially, you can also support us through Apple and Spotify. If you leave a five-star review on Apple with some words, we'll read it out loud the next time on the show, as well as a reading and a comment on an episode on Spotify. And if you leave a nice comment on Spotify, we'll read that out loud as well. Uh, we don't have any this week, sadly, but... Uh, feel free to add a comment or review. It'd be awesome and it helps promote the show. And you can also find us on a few different Discord servers. You can find us on the Robots Radio uh, Discord server at robotsradio.net, as well as my Discord server, the Ben and Friend Podcasting Discord, where you can find this show as well as the other shows I host, the Holocron Histories, the Final Fantasy Lorecast, and the now added Witcher Lorecast. So you can find them all there. Uh, with this show, it's a lot of fun. We hang out, talk about games, talk about anything on both discords. Um, and this show is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. So you can find this show as well as a bunch of other shows on robotsradio.net. If you can think of something, we probably have it. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> we have know, like, like Kingdom Hearts ones just dropped too. Yeah, we so now like, have a new mm-hmm. a newly added Warhammer. Yes, uh, podcast. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you can think of something, we probably have something of <laughs> similar, if not that. So you yes. can all find that at robotsradio.net. So go there. You'll find the four shows I host with this one and a bunch of other shows. And I do guest star yep. on a few other shows, such as the Two Girls, One Ship, where they talk about all about romances, where I guest star on for Star Wars and Witcher's content. As well mm-hmm. as I did guest star on a episode of the Assassin's Creed lore cast. Nice. Talking about Ezio because Ezio is my favorite assassin. <laughs> yeah, he is pretty cool. I agree so with uh, join us there. It's a lot of fun. And um, I don't have anything else to add. Is there anything else you guys want to add? Mm-mm. No? No. I got it. All right. Oh, and I do I actually have one last thing to add. Um. We do live stream these episodes at 10 p.m. Eastern on every Wednesday uh, on my Twitch channel at Ben of Tamaria. Link in in the description below. Please go follow. I am five followers away from 50 to be finally be able to get affiliated with Twitch. So please go help me out. Been trying this to get affiliated for like almost two years. I'm almost there. (laughs) Almost. So let's get back into Death Eaters. All right, now that we're back, we now have Death Eater's bid for the prophecy. So, obviously, this is going to be the events of Order of the Phoenix, which is where all of this takes place. So, armed with the advantage of the Ministry's denial, the Death Eaters kept a low profile in order to maintain their standing in the Western world and slowly but surely rebuilt their forces without detection or hindrance. Due to the part of the Ministry's refusal to remove the Dementors from Azkaban, a proposition Dumbledore supported immediately following Voldemort's return, the Death Eaters informally recruited the Dementors to their cause. Similar progress was made with the Giants. The quiet revolt of the Dementors fostered a mass breakout in the imprisoned Death Eaters from Azkaban in early 1996. 
In the early summer of 1996, Voldemort sent a group of 12 Death Eaters, led by Lucius Malfoy, into the Department of Mysteries in order to steal the prophecies concerning himself and Harry Potter. Having originally attacked Harry Potter based upon a partial recounting of it, Voldemort now desired to hear the full version of the version in order to understand entirely the na- nature of the connection between himself and, Her- and Potter. Harry was re- lured there along with five other members of Dumbledore's army. When Voldemort used the connection to give Harry a false vision of the- his godfather being tortured, and then, however, Harry and his friends managed to elude the Death Eaters, and the prophecy was actually destroyed by Neville Longbottom during the struggle. A battle ensured between Death Eaters and the several members of the Order of the Phoenix. Eleven of the twelve Death Eaters were captured, and Sirius Black was killed. Voldemort and Bellatrix Strange fled, but not before Ministry officials witnessed the return of the Dark Lord, which thus signaled the start of open warfare. <laughs> so this is a, a quite a bit difference here already. Um, so in the film Order of the Phoenix, Harry gives the uh, prophecy to Malfoy, to Lucius. And then he gets hit by a spell and he fumbles it and it breaks on the ground. In the yeah. book, Neville breaks it. <laughs> yeah, it is a weird kind of difference to not have. I'm not right. sure why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then now we get to open war. So the raid was a failure of the Death Eaters because the reaction reactivation was no longer a secret and the captured Death Eaters were sent to Askban. Additionally, Voldemort failed to in his objective to seize the prophecy concerning himself and Harry, infuriating him. Revealed at last to the wizarding community, the Death Eaters proceeded to resume their earlier lifestyle and behavior. Kidnapping, torturing, and murdering of wizards, witches, and muggles began anew and the Second War began. This included the capture of wandmaker Godric Gallivander, the murder of the Order of the Phoenix member Emmeline Vance, and the murder of Amelia Bones, who was until the point of the head of the Department for Magical Law Enforcement at the Ministry of Magic. Due to the Ministry's failure to accept the reality of Voldemort's return early on, the Death Eater forces were already grown into the point where the Ministry had a very difficult time keeping them in check, made only worse when the Minister of Magic still cared more about the bureaucracy's reputation than actual security. Because Uh, he's what? (laughs) An idiot, because Fudge is stupid on power. (laughs) He absolutely is. Yeah, another reason I can't stand him. And then during the Second Wizard War, War, uh, Voldemort plotted to rid of Albus Dumbledore at the close of the Hogwarts School Witchcraft and Wizardry year of June 1997. Dumbledore and Harry had teamed a locket that believed to be one of the horcruxes of Voldemort from the cave filled with Inferi. They apparated into Hogsmeade and through the assistance of Madame Rose Myrta, they saw a dark mark hanging above the sky above Hogwarts Castle. Dumbledore and Harry borrowed broomsticks and flew to Hogwarts' highest tower in the castle, the Astronomy Tower. Dumbledore encountered Draco Malfoy and performed a full-body bind curse on Harry, who was hidden under the cloak of invisibility. Draco revealed how he successfully used a vanishing cabinet to help the Death Eaters enter Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Dumbledore had then informed Draco that he already knew about the assassination plot, the cursed necklace, and the poison intended to kill him. They also delayed Draco and his plans to murder him until several Death Eaters, including 
Alecto and Amicus Caro, Fenrir Greyback, and Corbin Yaxley arrived at the scene. Severus Snape successfully cast the Killing Curse on Dumbledore in front of the four Death Eaters, Fenrir Greyback, Draco, and Harry, who is still hidden under his invisibility cloak and frozen in place by Dumbledore's spell. Uh, after the latter's death, the Jemblant Death Eaters are cheated on Snape's orders. Mm-hmm. So already you have the differences in the film. Harry's just hidden under the astronomy tower where he can see everything above. And Snape comes and keeps him, like, hush. Like, he still has, like, free movement. In mm-hmm. the book, Dumbledore literally paralyzes Harry and, like, hides him with invisibility cloak. So he can't do yeah. squat. Yeah, the movies just show him have great restraint because it's just wild that he didn't shout or do anything after he... Right, exactly. What happened? And then Harry... Uh, free from Dumbledore's full-body bind curse, quickly chased after the Death Eaters and cast several unsuccessful spells to Snape. When he reached the grounds, one Death Eater, uh, Thorfinn Rao, set fire to Rubius Hagrid's hut, and the Death Eaters disapparated when they reached the gate. Also present from Rao and Gibbon, who also actually killed by a stray killing curse from the the former, the only casualty on the Death Eaters' side, in addition to Dumbledore's death, um, Bill Weasley was attacked by Fenrir Greyback and received scars on his face, uh, but lived without becoming a werewolf because Greyback was not fully transformed at the time of the attack. And then, however, Bill sustained minimal lipocanic uh, symptoms, including the taste for raw meat. Overall, the mission was a great success for Death Eaters, and they had destroyed their master's most powerful enemy, striking a devastating blow to the morale of those who remained standing against Voldemort. And then we get the events of Deathly Hollows, mm-hmm. which you can go read or watch the films. Um, there's a lot that happens. So I was not going to go over all that info. So no, <laughs> there's too much. Just telling the whole book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's literally, yeah. the entire book deals with the Death Eaters. But yeah, um, that is uh, so far the history. Oh, and uh, we do have the aftermath. So with the Death Eaters forces silence and and the battle all but lost, Harry Potter destroyed their master once for all, and thanks to the mastery of the Elder Wand. Without their master, the surviving Death Eaters fell. Nevertheless, a select few, such as the Malfoys, were uh, pardoned. In fact, Lucius has given information on his former comrades and assisted the Or office in their capture. And many Death Eaters were permanently imprisoned after Voldemort's death. The death dark marks on the Death Eaters' hand- forearms faded into scars. And then following the outbreak of the Calamity on December 14th, 2018, whereupon a powerful piece of chaotic magic magic unleashed upon the world and resulted in one of the most massive breaches in the international international salute to wizardry secrecy in the history of the wizarding world several magical communities around the world saw a sudden resurgence of dark wizards adorning the black robes and marks of the original followers of the dark lord capitalizing on the troubles of the day these individuals would be cited both in great britain as well as overseas pr- presumably trying to expose the wizard kind and provoke war between magical and non-magical worlds as a pretext to reestablishing their prior reign of terror now, this comes from the 
Harry Potter, I think it's Wizards Unite, I think what the game was called. It was the AR game that they had, um, which was their attempt to be similar to like Pokemon Go, but failed mm-hmm. after like a year. Yeah. Oh. It was bad. It was not a good one. It was not. Um, and there were known to have had numerous violent encounters with orders, professors, and even magizologists counted among the ranks of the Statue of Secrecy Tank Force is unknown if these factions of Lord of Voldemort's old spores or they're still loyal to the cause. Family members of the former Death Eaters were shared to their kin's ideology on a quest of revenge for their defeat in the Battle of Hogwarts. A group of disaffected Anarchist wizards were all related to the Death Eaters and enjoy the chaos and use their public image as a type to scare tactic or all of the above. Oh, that yeah, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot, and that's from an a, a game that hasn't been around for like five plus years. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been like almost ten years that that game has like not been active. It's sad. But uh, that's their history. Um, but we do have behind the scenes. So in the films, the Death Eaters and Voldemort himself have given a lot of s- spectral-like attributes, such as abilities to transform themselves into a blacksmith-like figure and fly, often crashing obstacles in their way. In addition, once a Death Eater is killed, he will most likely explode or disintegrate like a specter, rather than leaving a body like an original human. So, Which is weird. That um, is super weird. Yeah, it's weird that they put that on them because I don't that's not mentioned in the books anywhere. No, and I think it was something like something they wanted theatric. to do to yeah, theatric for the film specifically. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we defeated Death Eater, they explode. Every, everything looks cooler when it <laughs> explodes when it dies. <laughs> right. Exactly. Where you've been, but that's just the trope of it all. <laughs> and then uh the Death Eaters were at some point named the Knights of Walpurgis. The name seems to be a play on the Walpurgis night, the evening of April 30th, when, according to legend, witches and demons gather. Walpurgis night is the day before the feast of St. Walpurga on the 1st of the May 1st, uh, May 1998, uh, was the last full day of Voldemort and Death Eater's reign of terror. They were finally destroyed on May 2nd. And it is possible that Tom Riddle had formed the Death Eaters under the inspiration of the army of Grolt Grindelwald. The hoods worn by the Death Eaters in the first film appear to bear resemblance to those of the Ku Klux Klan. For later films, the design was changed to one of the full masks and no point on the hood. Which was was much better. Which was a much wise decision because, yeah, when you first see them in Goblet Fire and everybody's like... Is this okay? What? Is this okay? okay? I mean, granted, this Mm -hmm. is also a book series and everything is Britain, so it had nothing to do with American history. It's true. So, it is true. Like, when us in the US watching it, it's like, wait, what? This is interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. But in Great Britain, they, that's not part of their history. That's fair. They do have to, like, make a lot of things more PG when it comes to America. Yes. Like 
shows like this and even like uh, Japanese culture and videos from like India and like all of those, they have to they take into account us over here in the United States because we get offended by this stuff. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, there is an individual named uh, Pirates uh, who appears in the cut chapter of the series. The uh, character is described as a servant of Lord Voldemort. It is likely that Pyrus is a Death Eater, though it's possible that he's merely an ally. It's unknown if he actually exists in canon, however. And because of his stream, extreme allegiance with Voldemort, Fenrir Greyback was allowed to wear Death Eater robes even though he was a werewolf. Nevertheless, Voldemort saw Greyback as too valuable an accomplice not to have in his ranks and allowed him to accompany the group and wear their robes. He was not branded with the deck, uh, Dark Mark. And then while true Death Eaters were supposed to be those who are in Voldemort's inner circle via their talents, wealth, influence, and loyalty, Peter Pettigrew was also given the Dark Mark despite his status as a lowly soldier and his cowardly disposition in honor that he did not even uh, even the valuable ally Gruner Greyback received. Which is weird, but I guess Greyback... Greyback was his own thing because he he yeah. led he led an entire like werewolf pack. It's true. I'd like to yeah. do one on Greyback and the werewolves. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Which we might be doing. So stay tuned. Yay! <laughs> um, and then Narcissa Malfoy was not officially a Death Eater, never having been branded with the Dark Mark, even though she was married to Lucius Malfoy and her sister of Bellatrix of Strange, both very high-ranking Death Eaters. However, she was the ally of the Death Eaters, as may have been participated in the tormenting of muggles at the night of the 1994 Quidditch World Cup relayed information to Voldemort, which led to the Battle of the Department of Mysteries and the murder of Sirius Black, sat in the Death Eater meetings, though it may simply have been because uh, they were held in her home at the time, much of her discomfort, and given the duty of finding out whether or not Harry Potter was truly dead, however, she is not known to have participated in any battles and ultimately lied to Voldemort about Harry's death and lust helped bring about his fall. Which is true. Like, she never, like, truly, since she was not a true Death Eater, she had no true allegiance to Voldemort, hence why she lied to make sure her Mm -hmm. own son would survive. Absolutely. She was more worried about Malfoy than anything. Draco, specifically. Yes, Draco, specifically. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Uh, And then Pius Thickness and Stan... Uh, Shun Pike were both dressed as Death Eaters when they fought in the Battle of Hogwarts and the Battle of the Seven Potters, respectively. However, both were under the Imperius Curse at the time and were highly unlikely that either of them were actual Death Eaters as they both lacked the form of free will. And then Corneris Quarrel was loyal to Voldemort but was not a Death Eater as the organization was inactive during Voldemort's years of disembodiment. Several Death Eaters with the same last name have been mentioned in the series, The Strange, Avery, McClobber, uh, which suggests that uh, fealty to Voldemort may not end the person themselves and extend to their children. It's equally possible, however, that the children have similar ideological views to their parents. Mm-hmm. 
And then Dolores Umbridge was never explicitly mentioned to be a Death Eater. However, she was a sympathizer who committed crimes against Muggleborns at the Ministry of Magic while it was under Voldemort's control. She also participated in her own punishment for Harry Potter with a cursed quarrel for his outcry in defense against the Dark Arts, permanently carving I Must Not Tell Lies on the back of Harry's hand. And he does have that, like, permanently. It's just, fa- it's faded, but you- he has it permanently. Which yeah. sucks. Yeah. I think I think Umbridge was above a Death Eater, only in the She's fact above Voldemort she- in my eyes. She's a She was freaking- worse. <laughs> <laughs> I- words yeah. I cannot say on this show. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and then, while the majority of the Death Eaters were males, two spe- explicitly mentioned female Death Eaters were Bellatrix Strange and... Alicato uh, Caro, another unnamed woman, was described in the first chapter of the Death Hallows, but it may have been uh, Aklato. She's likely, however, she has been uh, many more than that we've ever seen. In the film server, we see plenty of unknown female Death Eaters, though they aren't named. Mm-hmm. And then, unlike their fathers, Vincent Crabb, Gregory Goyle, and Theodore Knott, do not appear to have ever been official Death Eaters, though Crab and Goyle were sympathizers who tried to capture Harry Potter for Voldemort during the Battle of Hogwarts, resulting in the destruction of the Ravenclaw's Ditem, the death of Crab, and the ruin of the Room of Requirement. And then Bellatrix was referred by J.K. Rowling as Voldemort's lieutenant, suggesting that she may be the second-in-command of the Death Eaters organization. Indeed, she has demonstrated great talent in combat and leadership skills that have been, in the past, trusted both many important things by her master. Similarly, uh, Lucius Malfoy and Silver Snape seem to be lieutenants of Voldemort. Bellatrix and Lucius Malfoy were entrusted with Horcruxes. All three were allowed to give subordinate Death Eaters orders. However, Malfoy lost favor with Voldemort shortly before his demise. Which, yeah. Because Malfoy's, like, Lucius is also a coward. Yeah, he's all talk. Yep. He's all talk. And brash act- action. That's yeah. absolutely him. Mm-hmm. And then the Death Eaters do not wear hoods or master in Harry Potter and the Dothy Hollows Part 2, but they do sometimes in the Part 1, the film adaptation of Hapla Prince, and the film adaptation of Order of the Phoenix. This actually uh, may be due to the fact they had no reason to hide their identities from the authorities. And in Deathly Hollows Part 2, there are 200 Death Eaters at the Battle of Hogwarts. This is a far greater number than there are in the books. During the return to Lord Voldemort, Harry believed he had outnumbered by at least 30 to 1, and Voldemort identified 9 missing members, 3 of whom were dead, 3 of whom were at Hogwarts, which is Severus Snape, Igor Kakarov, and Barty Crouch Jr., and 3 of whom were in Azkaban, Bellatrix, Renofals, and, uh... Rabastin Lestrange, including the three exchanges, ten Death Eaters broke out of Askban following the year. This suggests less than 50 Death Eaters remained from the First Wizard War, and while it is possible the number swelled with new recruits after Voldemort's return, it is also possible that some members of his armies were intimidated and uh, imperious or supporters that were not granted the mark. Remus Lupin's claim that during the First Wizard War, the order was outnumbered 20 to 1 by Death Eaters, it may have been taken to a poetic license, counting that not only marked Death Eaters, but also their supporters, both willing and unwilling, and their non-human allies, Dementors, Giants, Werewolves, and possibly Inferi. 
Though in theory, I doubt because in theory are like mindless beasts of the dead. Yeah, they. Yeah, I wouldn't say they'd be allies. They would be more like puppets or foot soldiers. Right. Yeah. And then, according to J.K. Rowling, a Muggleborn can become a Death Eater in rare circumstances. Oh. Which is weird because I can't see that. Like, yeah, at all. if he's all pure blood, why would he allow? I mean, he's. I mean, Voldemort himself is uh, Muggleborn. Not well. He's like half blood. True, but he doesn't want that kind of information out. He kept it hidden for so long. True. So that's also true. I can't imagine why he would want that. I mean, they'd really have to bring something to the table. Like right. I don't know, maybe gray back. Maybe gray back. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, but that's what we have on Death Eaters. Yeah. Anything else that's you guys want to add? <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. It is a, a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's when you kind of break down just on what they've accomplished throughout the series, it's it is a lot. None of it's good, but just the things that they did and how they worked together and how Lord Voldemort had such an influence on them is insane. It's just like Ollivander saying in the uh, Sorcerer's Stone to Harry, he's done great things. Terrible, but great. Absolutely. He just put his talents in the wrong place. He absolutely did. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um... But that's all we have for this episode. Um, thank you for listening to the Wizard and World Lorecast. And remember, the wand chooses the witch or wizard. Thank you for listening to Wizard and World Lorecast. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can follow us on Twitter at www.lorecast. And you can email us at wizardandworldlorecast at gmail.com.